Podcast number nine. Our guest today is geek and pop culture expert Aaron Sagers. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Rogue Planet Podcast. I'm Jason McClellan, and I have the privilege of being here with my two good friends, Caleb Hanks and Maureen Ellsbury. Hey, guys. Hello. Yes. It's always fun when you guys say hello. I don't know what you're going to do. Well, today we have an awesome show. I am so excited to have as our guest. Mr. Aaron Sagers. Aaron Sagers is a TV personality, a journalist, and an all-around go-to guy for everything geek. So that interview is pretty awesome. That's coming up soon. But how are my favorite geeks? How are you guys? Maureen, let's start with you. All right. Well, um, I'm good. I had a very productive week. I um, spent the majority of my time outside of the office in bed with Kevin Bacon. Um, So that's always fun. Like with real Kevin Bacon? Yeah. <laughs> Why were you hanging out with Kevin Bacon? <laughs> no, I got hooked on that show the following. And so I watched the f- entire first season in about three days. Have you seen it? Either of you? I, I haven't seen any of it. I, I've seen uh, previews for it. But you recommend? I mean, it's about murderous cult craziness. It's addictive. Can't go wrong with that. No. And plus, it's you know it's Kevin Bacon. Yeah. I like Kevin Bacon. I haven't seen the old following with the Bacon Man. Oh. Well, maybe check it out. I don't know. How was your wig, dude? I literally... I literally have been sitting in my room for an entire week, nonstop, working on the Clerk Chronicles comic book. And I've gotten... Five pages done because I'm really actually trying to make it look really good. And I'm doing it in traditional comic book style now as to where I kind of on the website had started things as like this kind of prologue uh, or epilogue or yeah, whatever. And uh, but now I'm doing it in like small pictures all in one page uh, in in the traditional comic book style and uh I'm pretty happy with what I've got so far, so now I just have to digitally ink it and color it and slap them shits on the interweb, and it will be in the format as to, at some point, it can possibly be in print. So, yeah, I have a mustache right now, if you can imagine that, because I haven't done anything but work and sleep. Well, I think the the comic news is really exciting, uh, that's really cool to hear you going that route. So I can't wait to see some of that stuff. Uh, the mustache news, on the other hand, uh, is kind of terrifying. It's it, it's really terrifying because I can't really grow a mustache. I so gonna, it just yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say it can't be a big boy mustache. Imagine the weird thing about it is it's very wide. It's very uh, Tom Selleck, but it's almost as though if Wolverine. 
got really excited and tried to shoot his claws out, but they only came out like maybe half an inch. That's what my my. But yeah, it's not even a half an inch. It's just like this creepy little. You would imagine me driving around around in a van with candy kind of look. Are we still talking about your mustache here? Yeah. <laughs> My penis is also very small. <laughs> I think we need pictures of the mustache. I was going to say, hold on here. <laughs> I'm not throwing dick pics up on Twitter, man. Wouldn't be again. the first time. Yeah. yeah, I was about to say, again, that got me in big trouble last time. Everybody was like, whoa, look at that acorn. Oh, my God. You with your acorn and your squirrels. I don't know. What am I going to do, do you with you? My acorn brings out a squirrel to the yard. Let's talk about some news, Caleb. There's lots of awesome stuff happening in the past week or so. Uh, I want to start off talking about some some news in the uh, web media world. I know, Caleb, you and I have talked about the whole blossoming and, and beyond blossoming field of uh, web video and how that's just absolutely exploded in the past two years. Um and one of the companies that I know I'd spoken to you about, Caleb, was Maker Studios. They have been around for a few years. Uh, they were founded by um, a couple YouTubers. One in particular was Shay Carl. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him, but he kind of was an early YouTuber and uh, kind of documented his life and his family's life, just kind of reality TV all the time, just everything in his family's life. He was one of the people who started it. Anyway, uh, they were this big, what's become popular in the last year. It's what's called a multi-channel network, where they're basically, I don't know, I I guess a good analogy would be like a record label. They're kind of like a a middleman. Um, They utilize YouTube, but they partner with a lot of people who have YouTube channels, are big stars, big YouTube stars. Um, and they kind of manage them, help them with promotion. They have a, a big facility in Los Angeles, um, so they offer production support. People, their YouTube stars go there and shoot their stuff to help increase the production value of it. So they take these people who are successful, then kind of take over their channel and help remove a lot of the, the business side of things and let the creators focus on creating content. So they basically manage a lot of different YouTube channels. Well, Maker Studios, just this week, it was announced that they've been acquired by Disney for wow. a little little pile of change, uh, try $500 million. Oh, I did see something about that. So that is kind of wild. So what you're saying is that they should hover over us as the proverbial spaceship and suck us up into their uh, into their being, a.k.a. they need to give us lots of money. Well, that's what's eventually going to happen with Rogue Planet. Uh, Disney or another giant company is going to absorb us, and I'm perfectly fine with that. You know, a guy on the Internet once just kept putting up videos saying, somebody needs to give me a million dollars. I would really, really, really like to have a million dollars. And some really wealthy dude contacted him and gave this random dude a million dollars. So keep keep those thoughts projected out there because well, you never it, know. That's just an example of how ridiculous things are right now with you mm-hmm. know, tech companies and just the, the giant companies in general. 
these huge gobs of money that are getting thrown around left and right. It's just mind-boggling. They've got so much money, and they're throwing it at a lot of crap. But they, they, they still do it, and they're happy to do it, and it doesn't seem to affect them at all. And then they dump the product shortly after and move on to the next acquisition. Well, that's like not only did Facebook last or you know recently you spend 16 billion on whatsapp or whatever that app was now the big news and last today pretty much and yesterday is that facebook bought oculus vr virtual reality you know in the rift headset which um i like to explain it as ski goggles uh projecting a new experience and the price tag on this one? Two billion. $2 billion. They got ripped off, you and, know, $16 and, billion before that. <laughs> I know. But, I mean, Oculus just started. Yeah. It hasn't even really been released. It, it's really been hyped up. Gamers have been all, all, you know, really into it. It started out as a Kickstarter right. project. And they somehow got, I believe it was like $93 million through venture uh, funding last year. Um, so this is a... A huge step for them, and yeah, and I mean, this is just becoming kind of the norm. These really baby companies getting bought up pretty fast. I mean, it happened with Instagram and you know other mm-hmm. companies just being sucked up by the people who have the billions of dollars to throw at things because they want to have that in their portfolio. But it's just crazy. Yeah. I still quite don't understand the whole WhatsApp thing. I mean, uh. Maybe it's a West Coast thing more than an East Coast thing, but I literally don't know anybody that uses it. I don't either. It's a young person thing from what I understand and what I read about it, and that's why they got it, because they wanted to really have control of that market. Kids were using it. AKA, we're too old for Uh, the WhatsApp. But that's probably, you know, I'm just assuming here, but I can see that totally happening with a lot of these big companies that have money. They just read somewhere that, oh, all the cool kids are using this these days. They're all, oh, we need that. Go get that. What does it do? I don't know, but all the kids are using it. We need that. Well, you would, you would imagine that they would have to have some sort of like statistics of like who's actually – how many people are actually using these damn things before they go spend $16, billion, or $16 million on it. No, no. Well, you're, you're, you're assuming that you know, some of these people are smart business people, and I, I think some people would – argue that Mark Zuckerberg is not a smart businessman. But, uh, you know, pe- when people have billions of dollars, they can throw it around. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, doesn't doesn't really hurt them to make a, a bad decision here and there. But, uh, yeah, and I, I don't know, man. People are raving about this Oculus virtual reality. And granted, I love technology. I think it's cool stuff. But what Zuckerberg is really saying and and you know, his vision for this in the future is kind of terrifying and a a little lame. You know, he's thinking that, you know, instead of going to a a basketball game, you can do it on this VR headset. You can go to the game in your headset. Instead of, I mean, you can visit a doctor. Uh, I mean, a lot of this stuff already exists in terms of web video, but why do you need virtual reality to talk to a doctor? Like, I'm sorry, but part of the, the... experience of interacting with a doctor isn't sitting in the fucking office on that metal table and like i don't need to have that reality i just need to see the doctor so i'll tell you but the the last thing i would be doing if i was in virtual reality would be going and sitting at the goddamn doctor's office exactly (laughs) but see here's the, the the scary thing to me and that is you know zuckerberg hails this as you know 
possible bringing on the the most social platform right. ever. But all of this stuff, Facebook and, and social media and everything, it's actually antisocial. It makes people, you know, interact less in person. It's all digitally. Uh, so I think virtual reality will exacerbate the problem and, and make people less social in real life because they're used to dealing behind a computer screen, being a troll, being a, a, a dick, and, you know, being able to say whatever they want without any repercussions. Right. And, and they're just – it creates social awkward people or people who then go in, in real life and think that it's okay to act like that in real life, and it's going to create a lot of problems. I mean, think about if you are in virtual reality at a basketball game. I know there are twisted people, and I admit I would probably do this too, but turn to, like, one of the virtual – people sitting next to you at the game and you'd like punch them, dump your soda on them. You'd punch them. You'd, you know, flip, well, a, here's, flip a here's booger the on them. You, you would do that stuff. And I think people just absorbed in this virtual world mm-hmm. so much when they go in the real world, they wouldn't, they'd have difficulty separating between the two. Here's the only upside I see to uh, virtual reality as opposed to somebody just sitting there typing on the computer. When you're sitting there being a troll and you're in the YouTube com- comment section, if you're one of those people that sits there and just rags on people all the time, you have time to sit there and calculate exactly what you're saying. And this is something that uh, a lot of the younger generation this day and age, they're not cultivating, is the reactionary conversational skills of being right there with a the person and having to be quick, having to think on the spot and, and, and cultivate those those social skills as to where they sit there and they calculate exactly what they want to say in their head when they're talking to a girl on the internet and then they go out and they talk to a girl in public and they're a fucking loser, you know, they just, they, they don't know what to say, they sit there and twiddle their thumbs and go, yeah, I guess you're cool, well I better get the hell out of here and it's like, yeah, it's it's really has been breeding this socially awkward uh, a generation of children, but maybe virtual reality will at least get them in, in the mindset to where they have to say something immediately rather than sit there and calculate the best how to say screw you to somebody. But I think it's also breeding that uh, you know sense of entitlement in people too, these customized, very you-centric worlds that are they're catered to what you want. And then in the real world, you know, people want everything their way right away. So, yeah. the, I mean, I think the the whole thing that we're all going with this is that it should sort of stick in the realm of video games. Yes. Like, that's awesome. Video games and sex. Except for, except, well, um, <laughs> uh, that sadly that'll create the problem of more and more people doing the same thing they do now and living in front of their game consoles. Except for now, you you can't even see the person's eyes to know if they're alive or dead while they're (laughs) playing video games for 33 hours at a time. That's right. They already seem dead, but they'll have this thing attached to their face. But that's what the companies want. I mean, it's been it's it's been a you know an an archetype for a long time of the people hooked up to the machine and the company Mm -hmm. just sucking their brains out and taking the money in. And that will certainly, I'm sure, be like a marketing slogan for a lot of these products, you know, they'll pride themselves on. Now there's no need to leave the home. Right. Now from Microsoft. You can, you can, you can be in your office. You can do your work. You can do your grocery shopping, everything right from your headset. Well, and I imagine that, you know, Google Glass announced that they've partnered up with Ray-Ban and uh, one other company, I forgot who it was, Sunglass something or other, um, 
to make new prototypes for Google Glass to make them more attractive. Yeah. So I imagine eventually this is where uh, Oculus will head as well and make more um, attractive and simplified um, headsets eventually. Right. I don't. I could totally I don't know. see all the different colors and styles and everybody getting in on this and celebrities making their own brands. I mean, it's like headphones. You know, uh, you beats. see the Beats headwear and <laughs> yeah. everything now. And, You know, it'd be really funny. I don't know if you guys saw this, but recently uh, it was it came to my attention because it was a new uh, uh, still of what the new Ninja Turtles from the new Michael Bay movie is going to look like. But what they're starting to do is they're starting to take the 3D glasses that you wear in the movie theater. Yeah. And and they're like um, customizing them for the movie. So like the Ninja Turtles ones are like these ridiculous like Ninja Turtle headbands that you wear that like (laughs) they just look retarded. And then there's this, uh, and then the other one is for the Transformers movie, and they're this like these strangely patriotic looking, <laughs> like weird 3D glasses that just they look so stupid. I mean, they look ridiculous. It's like, why would you ever put that on your fucking face? That's what Google Glass should do. It's like, yeah, I got the Michelangelo uh, <laughs> Google Glass, so it looks like I'm wearing some raggedy ass bandana that's been on a mutant turtle's face. It's I, pretty gross. I hate to break your. Uh... Um, thrill about this but they've been doing that for a long time in fact it started with the um i believe the first ones were the harry potter 3d glasses really i never well i never saw harry potter in the theaters i know i read articles about it and this was like seven years ago or something but wow now like every 3d movie i've been to they've just been the regular little little, uh roy orbison looking things because i had i had a coworker start a 3d um glasses company and he thought it was going to take off and it was going to be this huge thing and he was going to design all these special 3d glasses um so that's what's unfortunately why i know way too much about that what's he do now i think he lives in dubai <laughs> so <laughs> what's what's he do I, there? I don't know i haven't talked to him in s- six years man well i mean that's a it was a valiant i mean it's a it's a niche i mean that was a Good idea, I suppose, if if it had caught on. Yeah. Somebody's got to make the damn things. Let's talk about space. We haven't talked about space very much on the Rogue Planet podcast, but we love space here, and there have been some cool announcements in the past couple days about discoveries. There are discoveries all the time in space. Every day, space is exciting. And, uh, yeah, they just announced it. They discovered a planet beyond Pluto in our extended solar system. So this is fun, and it's a tiny little guy. Fancy that. It's pink, so... They're going to name it, like, Delilah or something. Right now, um, it's it's short for... They're calling it VP until it gets its name. So people have been calling it Biden, apparently. Oh, God. Not very clever. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Nothing, Nothing against the political affiliation. It's just, really, Joe Biden... Well, I don't think that name's going to stick if it makes you feel any better. No, no. I don't know. If they're already throwing it around. I mean, they're not going to officially name it, but that's what pr- people are probably going always going to call it just for shits and giggles. No, I, I wouldn't count on that. And sadly, I don't think many people are going to pay much attention to this. Like people, a ice ball. People like to ignore space news, which is sad. I think it's some of the greatest news. But what they're saying is because there's this dwarf planet beyond Pluto... What that could possibly indicate is that there is a gas giant even beyond that. 
Ooh. A lot of people are shouting about it. It confirms Planet X exists wah, again wah. today. Lame. Mm-hmm. Lame. Well, and to to uh, segue into talking about some entertainment news, uh, this works with in space news as well. I don't know if you there, you guys have caught any of the new Cosmos series with Neil deGrasse Tyson, but uh, the next episode on Sunday, Patrick Stewart's going to make an appearance. Uh, with his voice only. They do these little uh-huh. animated sequences where they're like telling a story of things from history. So Stuart is going to lend his voice, and he'll be the voice of 19th century astronomer William Herschel. Okay, I've got a segue for this, but I want to talk on Cosmos for just a minute. All right. Uh, I haven't seen it, but I've I've heard mixed things. The the things. Tri- I just had a I had a southern slip there. I've heard mixed things. And uh, the 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 trailers look for the show look really really cool. But I've heard a lot of people on the internet saying like, "Is this show supposed to be for like first graders?" What what is your opinion of the show, Jason? Well, I've only seen about one and a half episodes, um, and you know, being being a giant space geek, I I find it incredibly fun to watch. Um, it is a very space and you know you know science show that's what it is so at times it's kind of dry and what they choose to do with it you know can be a little cheesy at times i mean they've got neil on this like spaceship and he's going out into the cosmos and talking about these various things while he's on this spaceship um that's kind of cool and i i could see why some people would think that's a little little juvenile um but you know, and it, at times it, it can be a little dry. But you know, it, it's it's a scientific show, and it's presenting scientific evidence. So you know, that's what it is. If you're not into that stuff, you're probably not going to be too entertained by it. Yeah, and well, I, I do think their little their animated sequences could be uh, a lot better. The style they chose is kind of weird. I don't know why they decided to go the route they did, but. Uh, yeah, I like it. Yeah, because I mean, like I saw on one of the trailers, like, uh, like the little mud dog flopping out of the primordial soup, like walking up to Neil deGrasse Tyson or something like that, <laughs> like this little computer a- animated lizard muffin. It was kind of bizarre looking. Makes lizard me think of Jurassic Park and the little cartoon that yeah. they had to watch. The DNA. Dino yeah. DNA. <laughs> me and my friends came up with this. Uh, <laughs> like this alternate version of Jurassic Park where uh the uh, the the doctor guy the older dude that that made Jurassic Park was just this senile old bastard mm-hmm. and and, and, he, and he had the cartoon where it was like bingo rhino dna it's like uh sir you do realize that rhinos still exist and he's like open the gates and they open up the gates and they've just these but like Paper mache brontosaurus heads on like rhinosaur like <laughs> rhinos bodies. He's like, this is the rhinosaurus rex. Everybody, take all the pictures you want. It's like obviously <laughs> this guy's drunk as shit. You sound like Bill Cosby. Hello, kid. You gotta get the jello jigglers on your way out of the Jurassic Park. <laughs> uh, all right, all right. Well, you said you had a segue. What's your segue? <laughs> uh, I just got so lost in that. I don't want to leave. Um. Yeah, my segue was since you were talking about Sir Patrick Stewart. Yes, they recently have released possibly 
to possibly the the best looking X Men film yet, and I, and I never really was a really huge fan of the first three X Men movies. I just thought they were a little a little hokey with costume choices and dialogue choices. That's just my personal opinion. But this one has a lot of elements of the uh, comics and the cartoon series that people grew up watching that that are kind of bringing it all together. One of the big main uh, enemies in in the series were the Sentinels, giant robots that they had fight all the time, and this movie seems to have like shit tons of them. So that's pretty cool. But and and everybody just raving about how kick ass this trailer looks, and maybe it's just because I'm a little jaded with the series. But like, I just don't see the trailer looking that awesome. Have either of you guys seen it? Yes, I have, and it's definitely causing quite a few nerd boners uh, on the interwebs and. Uh, yeah, I mean, it it could be worse, is what I'd say. So I think it it looks like I mean I'm gonna go see it. Um, yeah, like I keep going to see all the fucking Wolverine movies, and they just announced they're doing another one too. Oh, I know. Like I literally okay, the last one um, where he's like in Japan, mm-hmm. that one was okay. But I mean, literally the X or the Wolverine Origins, I walked out of the theater. It was so bad. Well, I'm a girl, so I stuck through the whole thing but um (laughs) (laughs) for obvious reasons but yeah i mean i think it's it's the trying to not let the story wear thin on people's minds and what they're sticking more towards the actual storylines that people are excited that that's happening well there's another terminator coming out really i guess it's not coming out yet but it's it's starting to film next month Oh, yeah. Isn't Arnold going to be in this one? Terminator Genesis. Oh, yeah. He's going to be in it. And uh, he recently was uh, talking with MTV News, and they were talking about you know, how they're dealing with the issue of why this T-800 is going to look a lot older now than he has before. Yeah. Uh, but he explains that you know, the Terminator has a metal skeleton, but it has human flesh. So that flesh <laughs> ages just like any other human being's flesh. Guess what the Terminator has now? Old balls. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think my face is melting? I was dropped into a vat of lava, you dumb motherfucker. Yeah, I'll definitely see it. I love the Terminator movies. I love Arnold, so I'll Terminator see it. I don't, was badass. I don't care what excuse they use. I, uh, I want him to be Terminator forever. Yeah, oh, speaking of having a character stay forever there was these god-awful rumors going around that they were going to reboot indiana jones and cast bradley cooper and that squirrely little (laughs) wanker will not stand there can be only one and that is harrison ford end of story bam done i've always had a weird feeling about Bradley Cooper because he played such a convincing asshole in Wedding Crashers that I've never been able to see him without thinking, man, that guy's a dick. Even though I think he's probably a pretty swell guy, but I don't know about Indiana Jones. In my opinion, if you're going to make a movie without Harrison Ford, then you probably just shouldn't because he is Indiana Jones. Let it die with some dignity and stop fucking shit up. Uh, Well, it's guaranteed that they will eventually make another one because that's what they do with every single franchise. They never leave things alone. There'll always be someone else. Just like, and, and nowadays with Hollywood, 
It happens every couple years. Yeah. We have a new oh, Batman all the time. We have a new Spider-Man. <laughs> I'm glad they rebooted Spider-Man, but I have another segue from this one. All right. Uh, talking about rebooting stuff in just a few years, uh, I think in 2007, we had the TMNT, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animated flim that was pretty, really, pretty groovy. I enjoyed it. Uh, but... Tomorrow, we get the trailer, the first official trailer for the new Michael Bay produced, not directed. I was unaware of this until recently. Not directed by Michael Bay, uh, Ninja Turtles reboot. The turtles look a little bizarre from what I've seen, but I am hopeful for this film because the last two Ninja Turtles movies we got growing up kind of blew. Well, I haven't seen any of the latest imagery. I've only read about it, and I've read that the uh, the turtles... This time around, will be taller, <laughs> mm-hmm. not uh, to their typically about 5'6 stature. Yeah, they're and, quite large. You know, there were rumors in the writing process that they were going to have an alien origin. That was a But apparently that's, that's not the case. But it's yeah. even more bizarre because from what I read, Shredder actually created the Turtles. Shredder and I think April O'Neil's father somehow created the turtles. I don't know how this is going to work with the story, but I'm curious to see. Well, there's a new uh there's a new animated uh series of the Ninja Turtles on I think Nickelodeon and I've actually been keeping up with whatever season they've had on Hulu. And it's actually a pretty cool stylized show um and they they they're kind of doing that same thing. And I'm not sure exactly what the origin story was, uh, I guess it was what the the story was in the movie in the first movies that because the Ninja Turtles was originally a, like a pretty decently dark comic book, mm-hmm. uh, at least in the first issue or uh, first issue or so. Um, but in this kind of new animated series they're doing on Nickelodeon, like it all ties in with that. Like Master Splinter has a daughter, but Shredder like got her and raised her basically and seduced her to the dark side. And uh, April O'Neil's father is like a scientist who deals with the mutagen. And then you have Krang coming from outer space. And there's like shit tons of little Krangs. And they're always like messing stuff up. It's it's really, really fun. But I think that they're kind of trying to tie that all in together. As to where like with the uh, Transformers movies, they had all these different little animated uh, series for for the children's on the TVs, but I I kind of like what they're doing with the Ninja Turtles series because they're bringing back all of these characters that I'd completely forgot about. And and, and there was a, one episode that had m- this thing called Mutagen Man, which was basically like this big clear tube full of like guts and brains and eyeballs and teeth, and and then it like grew arms and was thrashing around. And I was like, man, something about this seems really really familiar. And so I googled Mutagen Man. And the first thing that popped up with was this toy, and like everything came flooding back to me. I remember I had this toy of Mutagen Man from the old cartoon when I was a kid, and he was like my favorite dude, and I had completely forgotten all about him. So I was glad that they brought that back and 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 helped with my always fleeting memory. The original cartoon was so good. Yeah, and I think I think that's what a lot of these movies and franchises are doing now is they can get away with it sort of because there's a younger generation who completely missed uh, all the the classic stuff. So we're, we're just out and of the And the nerds loop. who grew up with it and yeah. love it, they're, they're thinking back fondly about it. They're like, yeah, I want to make that into a movie. And it works, I guess, but just hope they don't screw it up too badly. Time will well, 
Yeah. I think the best representation of how they how badly they screwed us on the second two movies was uh, the angry video game nerd has a series of uh, of movie reviews of the Ninja Turtle films, and the first man, the first Ninja Turtles movie to me was just so good. I loved it. It was so fun. And he talks about how, like, you had this huge universe. You had the Technodrome. You had Krang. You had uh, all of these crazy characters, you know, Baxter Stockman, the, the Fly Man, the Rat King, and all these – Rocksteady and Bebop, too. And, like, we get the second movie, and we have this, like, second-rate wolf and turtle that turn into mutants and who are these assholes. And then in the third movie, we have, like, this Napoleon-like dude that just comes out of nowhere – and the turtles are back in like feudal Japan for some fucking reason. And it's like, what the hell, man? Why did you do this? So I'm really hoping that this franchise, which it will be a damn franchise, everything is anymore, will kind of go in the direction of let's see all the characters that we originally loved on the big screen and do them some justice because we really got screwed back in the 90s. Tell you what, the Ninja Turtles arcade game was one of the best, too. I loved that arcade game. It's a good one. I'm just in it for the pizza. <laughs> That's what the movie should do is give us free pizza when we go see Ninja Turtles. <laughs> That's good marketing. I like it. Oh, and then uh, apparently the – did have either of you seen the Lego movie? No, but it looks really, really cool. Well, they spent a lot of money on it and a lot of people really like it and I think they're doing a sequel. Uh, but apparently The Simpsons is going to do a Lego episode. Oh, that'll be fun. That uh, is going to air on Maureen's birthday. Oh, that's awesome. Happy um, birthday. What's so Dale, May, Dale going to do on that? Yeah, so on, uh, yeah, on May 4th. And what they're doing, uh, they're releasing 16 Lego uh, Simpsons minifigs. That are really cool looking, and apparently they're the first line of licensed Lego minifigs. Uh, like fruits? Made out of fruits? No, not made out of fruits. You're hilarious. But the, these you things can't are... say minifigs without me thinking of food. Anyway, go. Who wants to think about figs as food? I'm sorry, I don't like figs. I don't either. Newton, the only <laughs> guy that invented physics and delicious miniature pastries. Anyway, I think these Simpsons Legos are pretty awesome, and I kind of want them. Well, what's Dale going to do for a month? Just sit on his ass while everybody else plays with Legos and makes an episode? I wonder if they're actually doing, like, stop motion or yeah, making it with Legos, or if they're just animating it to look like that, and he had to animate in a totally different style. God, what a pain in the a ass. Style. Yeah. Can you imagine doing a stop motion Lego <laughs> thing? Hey man, For if you if you got a big studio minutes. and a nice budget, it's not so bad, but it's just time. You moved his arm too far. Go back. Uh they I, they can oh. make it happen. They've got the technology and they probably have lots of people doing different uh characters and segments and stuff all at the same time. Well, everything on the Lego movie was completely CG, but it looks so damn real, Yeah. You know? Well, that's the funny thing is, you know, such a gigantic budget movie and people you know, Legos are one of the things that student filmmakers and aspiring filmmakers, you know, do as one of their first projects because it's an easy thing to do for stop motion. Everybody, everybody's got Legos and, yeah, you know, these movable body parts. So they, they do that and can create a 
pretty awesome looking first movie. So I'm I'm so amped that uh, Chris Pratt is getting so popular in Hollywood. Uh, he does the voice of the main character in the Lego movie, and he's also the main character in the new Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if either of you really watch Parks and Recreation, but that was that was my latest like holy shit binge and literally literally every every time i say literally now i think of damn rob Lowe. but like chris pratt on that show is so damn funny but i swear to god i'm pretty sure that my new god is ron swanson yep he's he's a character for sure i like him woods steak whiskey minus the steak well another thing that is so cool about parks and rec is like they they basically put these people on the show and say hey just be a slightly exaggerated version of who you really are because like nick offerman who plays ron swanson he actually does woodworking mm-hmm. he actually like loves 90 percent of of these things and even down to the details of like aziz ansari talking about <clears throat> being a, a decently impoverished indian kid from south carolina Aziz Ansari is actually from McCall, South Carolina, which is just a little tiny uh, town near the border of North Carolina that, you know, I'd never even heard of until I heard an interview with him. And I was like, holy shit, you know, he he's huge now and he like totally grew up not even, you know, 100 miles from me. It's crazy. That is crazy. Well, and and, um, Nick Offerman's real wife is on the show playing his ex-wife as well. Yeah, Tammy, too. Uh, Megan Mullally is his wife. And she's she's hysterical too. But I swear to God, the funniest thing about Nick Offerman is his laugh. Have you heard that? No. It is extremely uncharacteristic because everything about him is so stoic. But when he laughs, he sounds like a fucking cuddle bear. Aw, that's nice. Well, now I need to hear it. I'd ask you to impersonate, but I'll I'll just go to the source and listen to it for real. But let's. I want to go to the interview now because. It's a great interview, so without further ado, here is our interview with the man who knows all about pop culture and geek culture, Mr. Aaron Sagers. I am happy to be chatting with the TV personality, journalist, and Mr. Geek himself, Aaron Sagers. Aaron, it's good to talk to you, buddy. Hey, Jason. Thanks so much for having me on today. It's uh, been a long time trying to schedule this this interview, and I'm glad that we finally pinned it down well you know what that's that's sort of the uh, the way things go with you you are uh i'm very happy to say this you are the hardest working geek i know (laughs) well well i don't know about that i I would say chris hardwick is a is a pretty hard working geek well uh, yeah he really is but i can't say that i personally know chris so but uh yes you you are always running around i it, to me, it seems like you're never home. <laughs> well, you know, it, it sort of it feels like that to me, too, as well, uh, more often than not. Um, but, uh, but you know, uh, I, I try not to complain too much about it because I am um, I, I'm incredibly grateful and, and fortunate to be doing a, a kind of job that I really, really enjoy. So, yeah, I mean, I, I travel a lot and it keeps me busy, but it's doing stuff that and like you know, you, you grow up dreaming about, you know. Right. Yeah, definitely. And, and let's just quickly, uh, for people who aren't familiar with you and your work, let's just kind of go through your background a little bit and uh, tell people about sort of your 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 recent background, I guess, in uh, how 
you got wrapped up in this whole world of pop culture and, and, and geek culture and uh, just what you've done in the last, uh, oh, handful of years. Well, I mean, I grew up a geek. I mean, I grew up uh, loving this stuff. Um, and uh, being a child of the 80s, uh, by and large, I I just uh, I grew up in a great time of pop culture. So, um, you know, childhood wise, I lived with Star Wars, Indiana Jones, um, great horror movies. Um, and I was also am also the youngest of five children. So I had a lot of uh, pop culture passed on to me and a lot of comic books passed on to me. So I grew up in a great time, grew up as a geek. Um, but how did that translate into a job? Well, I've been a entertainment journalist uh, for about a decade, maybe a little bit more. And I've also been a journalist in various other fields. And, um, you know, for me, the geek component of my world began uh, like professionally because everybody wanted to talk about the new, let's say, Spider-Man movie or, uh, you know, the Star Wars prequels or um, even a new Superman movie back when it was Brandon Routh, not not uh, not Henry Cavill. And um, and I showed up with all of this knowledge built in and it made me. Uh, you know, a a valuable writer to have on hand. And so, you know, that that kind of turned me into a professional nerd and um, and kind of connecting it to your listeners out there that are fans of UFOs and in uh, in that part of our world. Um, that was something that I worked in a uh, newspapers and magazines for quite a while. And I've always uh, been a fan of UFOs and the paranormal. And so I basically started my own website called ParanormalPopCulture.com back in 2009. I just wanted to create something that I owned, that I controlled, and um, started that. And that got a lot of attention, fortunately, and uh, led to me showing up on TV talking about all this stuff. So sort of my geek life and my paranormal life all kind of uh, meshed together, which I I couldn't be happier about. And I've got to give you a props here for paranormalpopculture.com because I I find out about so much from that website like the fact that there's going to be a an X-Files uh board game yeah that's awesome I mean I just so so many random things I mean in this whole geek world there are so many different geek websites out there and you know on any given day when you're following social media you'll see the same story a hundred times over but I find things on paranormalpopculture.com that I don't really see in a lot of other places. Well, I appreciate you. And uh, I mean, thanks for saying that. I, I mean, it's, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what we tried to do. I mean, the, the mission when I first began was, um, it, it, it sort of began in uh, the initial idea in 2004 because I saw a lot of paranormal shows popping up on, on TV and I was a big fan of all those. But Nobody was really talking about them from an entertainment perspective. And I wanted to create a space where I could talk about paranormal and geeky stuff in a way that's not trying to prove or disprove, but just sort of have fun with it. And um, and that idea kind of began in 2004 and it germinated for a while. And then I launched it in 2009. And um, And, you know, what's cool is a lot of people say that you know, I go there and I read stuff and, and I don't feel like anybody's trying to convert me into, you know, a cynic or a believer. 
Instead, I just go there to say, like, hey, man, I enjoy watching these movies and, and reading these comic books and playing these video games. And it's a it's a good landing spot for that. So uh, and I appreciate you you going there and uh, checking out some of our news. And for that very reason, you know, I, I'm I'm quite envious because I totally get that, you know, in, in my job, that's something I miss a lot because I primarily deal with with people who are, you know, very much hardcore believers or hardcore skeptics or, you know, very, very opinionated, very belief oriented. And, uh, you know, I miss the, the, the just being able to enjoy something for the sake of it being fascinating or interesting or fun. And, you know, I told you this before, but, you know, we get a lot of ridicule at times uh, for talking about like a UFO sighting or something and saying that we think it's, it's really cool, you know, getting excited about a UFO sighting. We'll get the, you know, some people saying UFO sightings aren't cool. UFOs aren't cool. They're here to hurt us. And they get all serious and in our face, you can't call UFOs cool because there's nothing cool about them. Death and destruction. (laughs) And you have to put on your, your, your your straight professional face and say, you know, I'm sorry I offended you. I wasn't meaning to offend you. I'm just saying that this is an interesting case and it's, it's a good one to look at, but I, I miss that so much. The, the ability to just, you know, this is something that you can geek out over. There are so many fascinating things in the paranormal world that are exciting and I'm sorry, I'm a geek when it comes to that stuff. I get excited about it. I think it's awesome. Well, you know, I have the conversation frequently about um, about various uh, fan subcultures. And um, at the risk of offending anyone out there that is heavily in the UFO or paranormal community, it does fit within a fan subculture. I mean, and and that does not take away from belief or anything, but it follows certain patterns of other subcultures, you know, as far as having a recognizable uh, uh, lingo and gathering places, whether it's online or in person, um, and, you know, uh, sort of insider knowledge that's traded upon and and an encyclopedic knowledge of of certain things. That all follows the same patterns of a a fan subculture. And what bums me out, though, is when people get so serious that they do lose that enthusiasm and fun of it. Um, and that extends to comic book nerds and, and uh, zombie fans and, and everybody. Like when you start treating things so dogmatic, uh, dogmatically, I don't think that's actually, that's a word, but <laughs> it works. Go with it. Like, yeah. Dogmatically new word. Um, you, you start to, lose that joy that comes as a result of that now i mean speaking to those that say you know uh aliens are here to hurt us or how can you enjoy that um okay i mean i i I see the point that's in that however you can still take joy in the fact that this is you know if you believe it's a big wide universe and that and that you know what a brave new world with such creatures in it like you know that's kind of that is worth being joyful about and enthused about you know even if you're you're you know freaked out by 
one particular species of Halion, there's still a lot out there to be, you know, excited about. And I think this is an important message just for life in general. You, you can't, in my opinion, take anything so seriously. I mean, if you're so completely serious about everything in your life, you're going to be miserable and you're going to die an early death. You know, take take a little joy, be lighthearted with things. And uh, I mean, even take take zombies. I mean, if and when a zombie apocalypse <laughs> happens, you know, that is terrifying and horrific. But being fascinated and excited and, and, and having fun with zombies, the whole zombie genre, doesn't mean that we approve of or celebrate people getting their brains eaten by zombies when it, ha- when it actually happens. But give me a break. Lighten up and enjoy this fictitious thing, this whole world of, of zombies and everything else right now. Even if it does become reality, you can still enjoy the concept. Well, and... and- Anytime you're too serious about anything, you just miss out on on the chance to have an actual conversation about um, about sort of the the next level of that topic. I mean, when it comes to zombies, like you know, if you automatically are a diehard believer, or uh, or if you automatically dial to zombies are so stupid, I don't see why anybody likes them. Well, then you're dismissing it, um, and and you miss out on the potential to actually have a thoughtful conversation and an insightful conversation. And, um, you know, I mean, I really do think the same goes for, you know, people that legitimately believe in, I don't know, let's say ghosts. Um, you know, if you ought, if you're so, you know, on one end of the spectrum or the other, and you can't, you know, come in the middle, you miss out on the opportunity to, uh, Find some common ground and discuss these things. Um, and they should be discussed. Even if you're a skeptic, they should. The fascination with these things should be discussed. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm with you. And, you know, don't be so serious because it, it's just not good for your health anyhow. Not at all. It's, you know, back to zombies. You're, you, you have, uh, you're, you've been establishing yourself as, as somewhat of a zombie expert, and that's awesome. And, you know, I know there was a, an episode of Paranormal Paparazzi where you guys talked about uh, zombie preparedness. And, you know, there are actually places where people go to do like training to deal with a zombie apocalypse. That's both awesome and terrifying. Yeah, I, well, it is. Um, so let me say, I don't think that, you know, the corpse, that corpses are going to rise from the grave and that reanimated uh, corpses are going to start, uh, you know, chomping on our our brains or on our flesh i don't believe in you know that a zombie apocalypse is imminent however i do think that there is a lot to be learned from the zombie genre um as far as preparedness as far as um uh respecting science or being responsible with science um i do think that zombie-like characteristics can be generated through irresponsible science or, or you know, that uh, something rather nasty could perhaps um, get out, that a pandemic could break out, that, you know, I, I do think those types of things can happen. Um, and, uh, I mean, so, yeah, preparedness is important. However, 
I also think that some people within the zombie preparedness movement that are doing boot camps and talking about gun training and uh, some of that, not all of it, some of that falls within a fringe part of the spectrum that concerns me quite a bit. And um, uh, partially because I think that, and I've said this before, I think sometimes people use zombies as as code and what they really mean is militia right uh, or overthrowing the government or things like that and that concerns me um it gets a little scary other, yeah yeah very scary yeah the the other component that freaks me out is um i you know i try very strongly to tell people like you know i don't actually think that you know the dead are going to reanimate and and come after us uh yes i think it's good to be prepared for disasters and whatnot but I am concerned about what happens if um, some drunk college kid comes and, and knocks on somebody's door in the middle of the night thinking that they're at the wrong house or whatever, and they're moaning or they're in <laughs> unintelligible or whatever, and somebody's a little quick on the trigger and shoots oh, that kid. I, yeah. I do not want to be any way connected to that. Yeah. So, no, uh, I, I feel like even though I love zombies and I think the genre says a lot about where we are as a culture, you have to be very careful not to say like, Hey, zombies are real. They're coming to get us. And you should be, uh, you know, uh, keeping, keeping, uh, a gun under your pillow or something. And if a moaning person comes to your door, shoot before you think. Right. Yeah. Not saying that. Not yeah. Saying. Yeah. Well, I, I agree with you. And, you know, I, I think that, if zombies are to happen, I don't think it's going to be something natural. I think it will be something more Frankensteinish, where it's like a a scientist gone mad. So, like if Elon Musk just goes crazy and decides to play around with reanimating dead bodies, <laughs> that's how it'll happen. Yeah. Well, you know, I think there's so many room, so much room for um, for. Things to go badly based on our own hubris and um, lack of respect for Mother Nature and science. Um, right. uh, so, yeah, I, I, I mean, I do think that there is that kind of potential. Um, and I do think people should be asking very pointed questions about, you know, what's being done to secure you know, these super bugs in labs that we're experimenting with, you know, or, um, you know, what could potentially happen if there was, you know, a, a breakdown in our, uh, in our system or what is the government up to? I mean, I, I think it's always good to ask questions. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't necessarily think that's going to translate into, uh, reanimate corpses, but I think there's a lot of other things <laughs> that could that could potentially go. I mean, hell, the, th the whole thing about zombies, anyhow, or one of the things, is that you know it allows us to process these big ideas that are very scary and difficult to think about. I mean, I don't know how to solve um, you know erratic climate uh, situations. Um, I don't know how to solve the economic crisis in the world. I don't know how to, you know, um, uh, I don't know how to make certain that all of our politicians are trustworthy and have our best interests in mind. However, 
I do know, based on pop culture, how to eliminate a zombie. You shoot it in the head. It's, <laughs> it's, it's cathartic to think that there is this big monster idea that I can sort of figure out how to deal with. Um, that, that is an appeal of the zombie genre. I agree with you wholeheartedly uh, about just overall that asking questions and having a discussion about things like this is so underrated. You know, as ridiculous as, as some of these topics might might seem, I think asking questions and having a discussion should be encouraged. Yeah. So, yeah. so let's move away from, from zombie talk for a minute because I want to get into some other things. And uh, let's jump into, you know, as a fellow space geek, I have to say I am incredibly jealous of you. You recently went to space camp. <laughs> I have to hear about that. I did. Um, yes, I, I did it uh, in conjunction with National Geographic uh, to support Cosmos and Live from Space. Uh, Cosmos, which is ongoing, the new Cosmos, uh, with Neil deGrasse Tyson, who uh, who really is sort of the successor to, to Carl Sagan. But, um, yeah, I, I went down to space camp, and, um, you know, I did not only make the, you know, 10-year-old version of me happy. <laughs> I made the 2014 version of me happy because nice. space camp is awesome. Um I got a flight suit. I had my wings. I somehow, through some freak of of chain of command, became was named commander. Um, That's amazing. And I'm going to interrupt you just for a second, just just because this is crazy. So this my my story here isn't nearly as awesome, but it's bizarre because at a UFO conference, a woman came up to me. We had we were there with a, a vendor table. This woman came up to me and said she recognized me, uh, along with uh, my buddy Maureen Ellsbury, and said that she, the, the night before, had seen us both on the same spaceship that she had been taken aboard. So we had all been abducted together, and she informed me that I was working in conjunction with these aliens, and I had the rank of commander on this ship. So, buddy, we are both commanders. <laughs> So, well, I, you know, I'm glad I'm doing an interview with a fellow commander. That's uh, right. That way I'm not slumming it. Um, yep. But, uh, yeah. I wow, mean, commander. I don't know how you pulled that off. That's awesome. You know, I, I don't know how I pulled it off, but I will say, so so throughout the, the time I spent at space camp, and it was only like two days, um, but, uh, you know, we did like buoyancy training, um, uh, underwater, like, you know, scuba training and uh, built some things underwater. Uh, I did the multi-access trainer, which is, did you the, lose your lunch? Yeah, I did not. I did not lose my nice. lunch. Nice way to go. Yeah, no, that, um, and actually the trick to that for anyone out there that ends up in a multi-access trainer is don't close your eyes and you'll be fine because your, your stomach is actually at the, uh, the center of the access. So you're not, your stomach is not actually Flipping around a whole lot. Interesting. You know, it should be fine. So that's interesting. I think it's largely psychological. Okay. Um, simulated a spacewalk. Uh, you know, played with a little jetpack thing. Um, did a bunch of stuff, and then also uh, conducted a simulated uh, launch and mission in space and landing. And um, you know, even though 
the flight deck I was in, the the replica of the space shuttle, it, it was not real, yet it had all the same controls, all the flips, all the buttons, all the switches. Um, you really start, you, you really take it seriously. You really do enter this mode where you're like, ah, you know, I got to, I got to take this, this, this shuttle into space and then I got to bring it back down. I got to land it safely. Cause I've got, you know, this payload and this whole crew or maybe crew, then payload. Um, and, and, and you really get in the mindset and, uh, and when you, when you hear mission control come over your, over your comm set and, uh, you know, mission control to commander Sagers, uh, commander Sagers here, uh, That's you know, when, awesome. And, and, and you're like, Roger that. And, and mission <laughs> control, like, you know, or ground control, like when you're, when you start talking, you really get in the mode. Yeah. And, uh, I, uh, yeah, I mean, like I'm actually getting some chills talking about it because you really feel like you're part of something significant. And, um, and, you know, I think it was awesome for me to be a part of that, but I would love to spread that enthusiasm to other people because, that excitement over space is something that I, I really wish everybody shared. I think it's something everybody should share because it's so incredibly important. Um, well, and that's why I'm so excited about yeah. private space flight, private companies uh, pushing into space because it makes it more accessible. It brings the cost down. And I think in the next 10 to 20 years, uh, space flight and, and space tourism and things are just going to be become such a reality that I, I hope it opens people's eyes and, and gets people excited about space. I think once SpaceX starts doing more and Virgin Galactic flights start, um, that'll really spur a lot of people's interest because they it, it's not science fiction anymore. It's actually happening. Uh, I don't think people realize how much is already happening and just these crazy sci-fi things that have become reality. But think about this. As exciting as Space Camp was, think about in 10 years from now, the next version of Cosmos or, or Mars One's show that they may or may not have. Think if you get to go and do a promo for that and they send you up in like a Virgin Galactic flight or something. How awesome will that be? Yeah, and I, I, would, not, I would not hesitate for a moment to go do it. I mean... Um... I not only because I'm up for adventures, but I I just really think it's such an important message to carry. And um, you know, I I grew up in in Central Florida, and that's right. Yeah, it was it was a natural for me to be, you know, feel connected to the space program. I mean, I would walk outside my house or be on the uh, the the playground at school, and you would see you would see the shuttle launches, you know, and, and with only slightly more effort, you could go to, uh, to, to the Cape and, and watch it even more up close. And, um, and I was even on the tragic side, I was, uh, you know, outside watching the launch when, uh, when we lost the challenger, mm. I, I witnessed that, wow. you know? And so, but I, I grew up with this, connection to it and um i i really wish other people shared it because i think we've we've there's been become too much of a disconnect between what 
the studies in space, you know, how it relates to us on, on, uh, on earth. You know, I think that we've gotten too disconnected from, you know, the impact that it's actually having on us. Um, and we need to be more aware of it. So, I mean, even if it was, if they offered me this, I would do it in a heartbeat just because I think it's that important to try to connect, connect it to, to, to earth. And I don't, I, I don't think people have a true understanding of, you know, it costs a lot of money, but the benefits that we're reaping are, are, are so worth it. And it's not costing as much as you might think in consideration to other waste that's out there. Right. Right. And, you know, I'm heartened by the fact that in, in recent years with how pop culture and geek culture kind of blending um, and science is getting more visibility, sort of, um, you know, and with uh, the Curiosity rover, you know, that piques some interest, too. So we're seeing these things. And, I mean, look at Cosmos. Cosmos is on Fox, you know. So we're getting some mainstream pop culture exposure here to science and space in particular. So I'm hopeful that that's going to resonate with people and, and, and create intrigue and, and make people do some exploration on their own and get excited about space. But I don't know, maybe I'm too optimistic. Well, I think you need to be optimistic. I mean, I think that that's, uh, that's incredibly important for this kind of thing. I, and I, I mean, you know, I, I do think that, I mean, Cosmos has been doing well for, it's on Nat Geo, it's on National Geographic, but it, it began as a launch through Fox. Um, and maybe Fox is still airing it on Sundays and then yeah, they Nat, are. Picks, yeah, and then yeah. Nat Geo picks it up on Monday. Yeah. Um, and it was, I think, the largest launch in television history as far as across all these platforms, even like Fox Sports and everything. Wow. And, um, and it's been doing pretty well for them. What I hope is that that inspires other networks to say, yeah, we need one of them cosmoses, you know, like that'd you be know amazing. What? Yeah. Kids love space. Let's get us a space program, right. you know, like um, maybe hopefully that'll that'll kind of spur these other networks to create something as well. Um, but uh, but unfortunately, then you look at something like live from space, which I really enjoyed. Um, did not do so well in the numbers games. I mean, it was on a Friday night, so maybe you could say it was that, but um, that did not deliver that much. So hopefully that doesn't make people more shy. Um, and live from space, in case uh, your listeners don't know, it was it was very much what it sounds like. It was a, a program um, uh, with some pre- pre-recorded segments, but by and large, it was connected directly to the International Space Station. And... Um, it was a program from space. Yeah, that's incredible. And I think we're going to see more of that. But it's really disappointing that people don't realize what a huge deal that is. You know, I think a lot of people take people on the space station or just what's become routine space missions for granted. And they don't realize how epic that is. But we'll yeah. see. I mean, I think as more missions are realized, you know, you get... Bigelow Aerospace involved with the habitats and just all this stuff going on right now. Um, I hope more people become aware of it because there is so much happening right now that seems so unreal. It's all science fiction, Star Trek stuff, but it is real and it's happening now. 
Yeah, I, I kind of wonder if if it is something that is going to be driven by, I mean, like, obviously a Richard Branson is great, but like, if, let's say, you know, George Clooney, I mean, a, a couple of years ago, we had uh, Lance Bass, I believe. Was it Lance Bass? Yes. Um, um, you know, which, you know, good for him for wanting to go into space. Um, uh, but, you know, if you had like somebody that was like a real recognizable name um, and it was like a George Clooney, you know, like uh, had so much fun doing Gravity. Now I actually want to to see what it's really like up there. Well, that's uh, the wonderful thing with Virgin Galactic. When they actually start their flights, you know, they've had so many delays. They're supposed to start this year, but we'll see. But they've got a huge celebrity list of people ready to go. Leonardo DiCaprio, Katy Perry, um, I think Brad Pitt. I mean, big-time actors are lined up. They have their tickets to go. We'll see if they actually go when the time comes. But that will make news, and maybe that will make people turn on their TVs and say, wow, look, people are going to space. It's real. It's finally here. Yeah, and, and especially if they do it in a way that, like, generate, and, I, and I'm sure Richard Branson is a smart enough guy that he could figure it out, that you generate content off of it um, to get people tuning yes. in for part of that adventure. Yes. Um, you know, I think that that would work. Um, but, yeah, I... I I'm I'm so enthused by it, and I'm hopeful. I mean, I, I, I try to maintain hope for it. And, and uh, um, you know, I I think people, once they feel that connection a little bit more on board, and if they have not already. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm optimistic that things are going to really start changing here in the, within the next 10 years, because all the stuff is happening so fast, so... I'm super excited. I want to go to space. I'm not going to go to space eh, probably 20 to 30 years. I'll let them work out the kinks. But uh, let me now ask you. I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you some tough questions. Okay. All right. So first question. Zombies, aliens, ghosts, robots, or dinosaurs? If you have to pick one, what are you going with? Well, what is this one uh, in reference to? Like the one that's going to eat me, the one <laughs> that I have to live amongst, the, the one that... Like... Oh, you're making this super complicated but realistic. I like how you think through this. These are all valid questions. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it all depends. I mean, so it was zombies, aliens, robots, dinosaurs. Ghosts and dinosaurs, yeah. Um. Honestly, well, I, I don't know which one would be the the good one to choose. I would say all of the above, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it, it really depends on the on the the perspective on yes what what I have to do with it. I mean, I you would know what you and I should sit down and we should write out various scenarios. <laughs> I want I want to ride a dinosaur. I, I really yes. want to use dinosaur as a you know a means of transportation. Um, but uh, and zombies don't really work that well for that. Right. Um, but uh, I don't know, you could ride a zombie. Well, I guess. I mean, <laughs> it has to be pretty. Then you're not going to get anywhere super fast. I mean, unless it's like a the running a zombie, Snyder, yeah. you know, yeah, a, a Dawn of the Dead zombie. But yeah. um, you know, I, I, zombies don't tend to move so fast. Um, but uh, if I lived in a world with, dominated by, let's say this: if if it was 
me alone in a world or me as as a, a, a rare human, I would probably take ghosts because that would be a pretty easy scenario to, to operate through. But um, after that, probably zombies because dinosaurs are big and mean and hard to kill and uh, would really want to eat me. And they're probably smarter than zombies. Um, aliens would definitely be a higher intelligence, I'm guessing. I mean, again, I'm thinking like, you know, higher intelligent aliens, not just like, you right, know, right. Um, robots, you know, would not necessarily pose a threat, but what if, if they I, are higher intelligent robots? Well, you know, I doubt that they would be malevolent, but if they wanted to build a parking lot and I was in their way, they would just kind of, you know, demolish me. Right. Uh, you know, so, so probably zombies, that would probably be the easiest to, to the most predictable. Most <laughs> predict. I mean, if they are the zombies that we have seen in movies, that's the other thing is what if these zombies are totally different than everything we've expected. So, uh, that would be bad. All right. Here's the second one. And this one is probably <laughs> easier. <laughs> Sorry, I made that first one. No, like, that but... was amazing, and I didn't realize how complex it was. I obviously should have, but yes, many scenarios. I'll have to get back to you with various scenarios, and then we'll go through that again sometime. But, all right, here's the next one. Professor X or Captain Jean-Luc Picard? Ooh, okay. That's more difficult, but but that's that's a good one. Um, uh, I'm going to go with... Uh, let's say Picard, and here is why. All right. Um, initially, I was I was leaning towards Professor X because that meant if I was hanging out with him, I was probably, you know, a pretty gifted youngster myself. However, <laughs> uh, Captain Picard, uh, you know, overall things are pretty good in the future. They have food replicators. And they have the holodeck. The holodeck is is a big selling point. That's a huge plus, yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I think I could be a pretty good look if they have Wesley Crusher on on the bridge. I think I would I would do far better than that. And um, and and here's a secret to your your listeners out there: when I grow my beard out and my hair starts to get a little thick, I actually have a passing resemblance to. Uh, to Commander Riker. So I think I would Ooh. do just fine on the bridge. Wow. Yeah, you have to keep in mind, though, with Wesley, he did have an advantage. He wasn't just some goofy kid who cut it on the bridge. Yeah, it was... His, his was mom his had the hookup, so... Well, not only that, but we find out later that he was, you know, according to the Traveler, he was special, you know? He was... That's right. uh, he had some probably mutant abilities of his own. That's right. Oh, Wait a second. See, there we go. That's the tie-in. I love it. Actually, here's um, here's here's a true story. I have a book. I mean, not it's not an exceptional true story, but I I do have a book that is a. Uh, it was in the '90s before um, before uh, Patrick Stewart was ever cast as as uh, uh, Professor X. And um, this was just like a, a little a book that did a crossover between X-Men and uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. And in the book, they actually say that uh, Professor X has a passing resemblance to Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Hmm. And that was before he was ever, before Patrick Stewart was ever cast. Wow. So that's kind of wild. So um, 
So it's, uh, I, I have on my Instagram a picture of that book somewhere because I found it during a uh, somewhat recent uh, search of, of my, of all my, my library. So that's um, awesome. Yeah. All right. And now perhaps the most difficult one of all. Okay. Indiana Jones or Han Solo? Indiana Jones. Um, Indiana Jones. Yeah. Uh, oh, wow. You made that one pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I will say that I, uh, uh, I have been known to cosplay as Indiana Jones. Nice. Um, and, uh, you know, not only that, but it's, uh, it's, you know, you get to treasure hunt, you get to fight Nazis. I mean, talk about the ultimate, you know, bad guy, uh, in history and in fiction. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, Indiana Jones, but without the fear of snakes. You have no fear of snakes or you would, you would create that? Oh, I have no fear of snakes. Okay. So, All right. I mean, like, I could, I could, but I mean, every, every hero has got to have a weakness. That's true. I mean, that's true, but snakes aren't even a very good weakness. I mean, you can be a <laughs> treasure hunter and I mean, look, it worked out fine for, for Indy, but, um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I would go Indiana Jones in that, in that equation. However, how about Indiana Jones with Chewbacca? Now, that is a matchup I would like to see. That, that, I, that'd be a good team. I actually, I do have a, a uh, Millennium Falcon uh, just, just a, a few inches away from me. And in the cockpit is, um, I think I'm probably creating some sort of paradox but it, it is uh, Han Solo in, in, and Indiana Jones action figures piloting the Millennium Falcon. So um, I might be about to, uh, to crash the, uh, the universe or the space-time continuum or something. Yeah, that's terrifying. By the way, on the topic of Star Wars, how, how are you feeling about uh, Adam Driver? Um, well, look, I'm not a fan of girls. Um, <laughs> You're not. Uh, not. I mean, I'm a fan of girls, but not of the series yes, yes. of girls. And, um, you know, but, uh, you know, maybe my nerd rage has chilled out a little bit, but I'm willing to give people a chance to be the best at what they can. Like, I, I want him to be good. I want him to. I want Ben Affleck to kick ass as Batman. I want these things to be good. So I want to give them the leeway and the space and at least the, the beginning support to go do that. I mean, I remember when, when the first test makeup of Heath Ledger as the Joker came through, everyone was like, Oh my God, really? Right. And I was one of those people. Right. And then he ends up delivering an amazing Joker. I mean, we, you know, let's give artists the chance to create something great. And then if we hate it, then we'll, you know, Ditch take to about all the it later yeah. afterward. <laughs> I like the attitude. All right. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out today. This has been fun. We'll have to do it again. And uh, ParanormalPopCulture.com is where people can go to check out all the latest and greatest in geeky and paranormal news. Aaron, thanks a lot, man. Hey, thanks, Jason. I'm so glad we were able to do this. And uh, yeah, please let me know anytime uh, you want to have me back to ramble more about zombies, dinosaurs, or the puppy bowl. 
Oh, yeah. All, all of it at once. So. <laughs> all right, bud. You got it. We'll talk soon. That was lots of fun. Thanks again to Aaron for taking the time to talk with us today. Remember, you can go to paranormalpopculture.com for all the latest in pop culture and geeky news. Yeah. You okay over there? I'm wonderful. I'm just psyching myself up to perform. You're going to perform? I'm going to perform. As our listeners may or may not know, for a living, I play the mandolin in a bluegrass band. But I don't always play bluegrass because sometimes I'm learning nerdy ass kickery on the the mando. So today I have two numbers I will perform to you, uh, for you. Uh, The first one is in the spirit of what we were talking about right before the interview. The Parks and Recreation theme, so without further do-do, I'm going to try this and try not to fuck it up. Good enough for government work, since they work in government. So... My next number will be the Mario Brothers theme song. I don't think that one needs an introduction. And now, the Mario Brothers theme song. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here we go. Excellent. Do it again. Do it again. Nice. <laughs> well, thank you, Caleb. That was a special treat. Uh, you know, now you're going to have to come up with something to play next week. It'll probably be the Cheers theme song or the song that I tweeted out earlier today, which is the Joey Scarberry hit from the 1970s. Believe it or not, I'm walking on air. Which I've turned into, believe it or not, I'm raping a bear. I don't know if I like that version. Ripley's didn't either. Poor bear. I mean, Ringling Brothers. (laughs) All right, well, let's wrap it up. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. Check out RoguePlanet.tv for our geeky news and misbehavings. And we will be back again, hopefully next week, with another episode. I'm Jason McClellan, and on behalf of my... Mm, let's see. What should I call you? Miscreants. That's a fun word. Miscreants. I'll say my friends. Thank you for joining us. We'll talk to you again next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Oh,